0: What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jamie Collisar, back with another episode of Raise Your Voice. And I am uh, so blessed today to be in the presence of the voice Of the new era, the people's champion, (laughs) none other than my boy Michael Polite. What's good, man? Yo, man, it's an honor just to be here and share this space with you, my brother. Man, I'm glad you are here, man. So, dude, so you know, the title of the podcast is Raise Your Voice. So, what uh, do you want to raise your voice about?
1: Man, I have this burning, burning desire to speak out against the oppressive habits of Western education. Uh, I want to talk about edumacation, okay. which is not simply a mispronunciation mm-hmm. of a word. Mm-hmm. Edumacation is a recognized word in the English language, mm. which denotes one who thinks they have education, but has not received education at all. Mm. Kind of sounds like my story
0: <laughs> <laughs> growing up in America. <laughs> so, man, So tell me, how did you get there? What brought you to this place? Man, I have to give a shout
1: out to ancestors such as Carter G. Woodson, Mm -hmm. uh, Du Bois. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll go with uh, Fannie Lou Hamer as well, Mm -hmm. uh, and her protesting about uh, being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other educators, Mary Bethune Cookman, um, just reading the writings of Phyllis Wheatley, these are individuals who've gone before us and are really trying to give us cues to dangers in Western education. And I guess it'd be, it would be, I think, apropos to give at least a small disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times we attack education and people write us off because they think we're extremists uh-huh. trying to advocate for everyone to drop out of school. Right, you know? It's right. like, no, that's not what this party is about. I think we can... Step back and have a love for something as well as be critical of how that entity, initiative, Mm -hmm. project or movement is actually creating some adverse effects as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So as Baldwin says, it's because I love her that I reserve the right to critique her. Mm. And so as we look at education in the Western world, we can
0: love her. As well as reserve the right to critique her. Mm-hmm. That's dope because you know my, my hip hop mind reminds me of common sense when he wrote mm-hmm. that track. I used to love her, and how he's just referencing this change in hip hop from what it was to what it has become. And so, like as I bounce back to what you're talking about, it seems like. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong That you have this notion that Western education is limiting us Or has it changed Or um, is it has it always been the same way And that you're seeing like a, a polar Not a polar, but seeing that There needs to be some additions to it Or does there need to be A com- complete erasure of mm-hmm. it To bring in something new I think I'm
1: advocating first and foremost for a baseline recognition to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, when something is over-romanticized mm-hmm. and co-opted by idealists mm-hmm. who are not willing to look uh, critically at not only the effects and impacts of certain systems, but also what it's doing to the mass population. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at that, uh, we have to step back and say, okay, there needs to be a recognition that there are some subtle underlying values mm-hmm. upon which Western education was built upon. Mm-hmm. And if we don't step back and recognize that it wasn't all positive, mm-hmm. it definitely was not all pure. Right. If we don't step back to recognize those things, we could find ourselves leading our children into a trap. Mm-hmm. And that recognition needs to take place in the home mm-hmm. primarily, yeah in the community secondarily, mm-hmm. and then
0: tertiarily, it needs to take place in our nation. Mm-hmm. What was the defining moment that your Eureka moment, your voila, that made you come to this point? They say, like, hold up, wait a minute, there is something wrong with what I've received and as it's translating to it now, like where was that, where was that defining moment? Yeah. Uh, I was actually enrolled
1: during my education program in undergrad. Mm -hmm. I decided to take a certification program in the summer Mm -hmm. um, underneath the Ella Baker children defense fund. Okay. And what that was based upon is not only uh, the prowess wisdom, And just pure genius of Mm -hmm. Ella Baker Mm -hmm. but also taking her philosophies and trying to bring them into a contemporary space Mm -hmm. and ask us as future educators to begin ideating how to come against some of the dysfunctions of education that we see running rampant in urban sectors Mm -hmm. so I think that grooming not only introduced me to some phenomenal critical thinking, mm-hmm. because up to that point, even in my own education program, I was not receiving a lot of critical thinking about Western education. Mm-hmm. I was receiving preparation to work in it. Mm-hmm. I was not being invited to stand back, look into it and point out some things that need to be changed. Mm-hmm. I was only being asked to prepare myself accordingly mm-hmm. so that I could get a job upon graduation. Mm-hmm. And yo, we all need to work. So I'm not throwing shade at anyone who's being prepared to enter into a workforce. But if one is doing that with a blindfold on, they cannot be upset when they start running into stuff.
0: Yeah. And yeah. saying, ouch. Right. Right. You know? Right. And right.
1: I appreciated that grooming Um, I think, not only studying the life and work of Ella Baker, but also those educators who came together to say, now, young teacher, you have a greater responsibility than just regurgitating curriculum. Mm -hmm. You must now look at this system and critically assess it and then use your platform and sphere of influence to help it transition or
0: make the needed adjustments. Yeah, that's dope. So, like, um, what I'm thinking right now, and... I'm asking this question. Do you think that the quality of education is contingent or based on zip code? So, for example, if you live in an impoverished community, your education will be different from the education of a child that's in a well-to-do neighborhood mm-hmm. um is that the, is that like a do you think that there's a difference there in the type of education they receive or do you feel like all across the board um this westernized form of education is creating these robots in a sense on a conveyor belt to learn to work for somebody and not create your own ideas or to explore to be your own employer
1: yeah I think that's a great question. I definitely see correlation Mm -hmm. between zip code and quality education. Mm -hmm. And when I use the word quality, I want to define the term as authentic. Mm. So whenever someone hears me say quality education, I'm talking about authentic education. Mm -hmm. Uh, I draw my definition from that from the root word where we derive education from. It's Mm -hmm. the Latin word Mm educare, which means to bring to the surface. Mm -hmm. So when I say authentic education, I'm saying, yeah, there's a correlation between zip codes and educational institutions that truly want to bring to the surface what's naturally in you Mm -hmm. versus put into you what the system believes you should have. Mm -hmm. We call that training. And I think the mass of people in the Western world... um, across zip codes i'll even say that mm-hmm. even in affluent areas i have been able to come into a school building and notice that no true education is not happening here mm-hmm. authentic education is not happening here mm-hmm. you're just being prepared for a higher level of the caste system mm-hmm. but you're still being mechanized your mind is being mechanized it is not being liberated yeah and so as we talk about zip codes and the correlation between zip code as well as uh, being authentically educated, I think there is a strong correlation. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe, though, the causation uh, fundamentally is funding.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we've seen that throughout world history. Right, uh, We can look at any established civilization, even going back to the Babylonians, and, and notice that the education system of the time seemed to be driven by affluence. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for those who are into the biblical record, we see these Hebrews that are displaced from their land and brought, but the king chooses the top thinkers yeah. from their Country of origin mm-hmm. and brings them into a special education program mm-hmm. to where after certain days they are tested and mm-hmm. then placed in high authority throughout the government. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is an education practice that we still see today. Yeah, uh, some people some people call it lottery yeah <laughs> other people they'll call it um, they'll call it like uh, standardized testing yeah. but at the end of the day it's this process of selecting a talented few
0: yeah based
1: upon a specific metric and then funding them well mm-hmm. throughout their educational pursuit mm-hmm. uh, so i think the the strongest causation that we see between substandard education and what I'll call optimum education at this point is the
0: funding. Mm-hmm. What
1: what resources are being afforded you as you take the journey? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are not only human resources, but also monetary.
0: Yeah, I, I love that because you educate humans and you train animals. Mm-hmm. So you train a lion, you know, to stay in the cage. You train a dog to go use the bathroom outside. As humans, you bring out the best within them. And that's what I got from what you said. I'm glad that you came into the religious aspect and you looked at the Babylonians and the three Hebrew boys. Um, Even, for example, Jesus was a carpenter. We know Nazareth education and literacy wasn't a Wasn't something that everybody had because he was in an impoverished community and funding for that. And so that's why, you know, Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. And when he, you know, and I always um, point to when the Bible says he stood up to read, that that's something that we gloss over because here is somebody who is from their neighborhood, Nazareth, and he's reading. He's literate. Let's look at Christian education. And taking your concept of edumacation and what we received in theological training, what we receive in churches. Do you find that there is a mirror in regards to Western education and what is offered in Christian education, which is in some ways supposed to be a little bit different? In some ways, it's supposed to be funded adequately or even in your theological training. Do you see parallels of Westernized education infiltrating theological Christian education. Yeah, I want to
1: uh, to use a term uh, that you use. I want to script the flip, <laughs> and I actually want to suggest that it's opposite. Mm. Uh, Christian education is a progenitor; it mm-hmm. is the grandfather. Grandmother of Western education. Mm -hmm. So whether we're looking at the public sector or private sector, we must understand that it is the religious mind that put together the education system of the Western world. Mm -hmm. Uh, First and foremost, it was constructed by the Catholics. Mm -hmm. So that comes over across the ocean in a Protestant form, but it definitely still has some of the same assimilation habits mm-hmm. that were taught to us uh, by the Catholic church throughout the dark ages and even prior to that. And, you know, probably starting somewhere around third century AD moving forward into the dark ages. Um, and what I think is so subtle about it and what we must at least concede to mm-hmm. as Christian believers is that there is there is a ruinous oxymoron mm-hmm. in the fact that we are people of liberation and yet our system was built for assimilation. Mm-hmm. The two are contrary to each other Yeah, and this narrative that was taught to us by European masters Mm -hmm. That assimilation Equals liberation Right Like I'm going to come in I'm going to teach you Something you don't know Mm -hmm. Teach you something That you need That you don't have And in that I'm going to make you Civilized Yeah I'm going to liberate you I'm going to open your mind Etc That education system Is what what Is what all Western education Is built upon Mm -hmm. So as I look at uh, Faith based education systems. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I really think that there is a great a greater subtlety to the dangers, which means you have to be even more vigilant, whether you are a parent or a student. You need to come into that space understanding that just because you copy and paste a deity on this does not make it holier. Does not make it more healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: really have to look into the rudiments of the curriculum, mm-hmm. and you have to look at the rudiments of the assessment tools being being utilized. Mm-hmm. Like what what am I being held responsible for yeah. in this course, mm-hmm. or what is the mission of this institution? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the education philosophies that are informing the pedagogy here. Yeah. Like you have to start asking those questions. And just because I put Jesus's name on it mm-hmm. does not mean all of a sudden I don't need to make those considerations. Yeah. All we have to do is look to our indigenous brothers and sisters here in America. And when you ask them the question, what was the first step in displacing you mm-hmm. that was always taking your land? Yeah. What was the second step? Enrolling your children into Western schools. Yeah. Because we need to make sure that the next generation gets robbed of what's truly in them. Mm-hmm. We don't want that Native American ideology to come out of them as adults because then they become threats to the system. We actually need them to be fully assimilated, indoctrinated into what value system we need them to adopt. So that they can be subservient members of an American society. Yeah. So as we look at that, I'm the first person, one who is also an ordained minister Mm -hmm. as well as a certified educator. Mm -hmm. I have to step back and say, Oh no, my friends, yeah. Uh Jesus has been copy and pasted on many education movements, Mm -hmm. and that has not meant that the students in those classrooms were going to be benefited from the standpoint of receiving authentic, quality education.
0: Yeah, uh, that, like, so there is this overarching um, theme or word that keeps jumping out as we're talking, and that is education as a form of oppression and a form of making sure the empire stays alive. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you were saying in regards to when you referenced the three Hebrew boys, that you know, putting them in that Babylonian school was in a sense of taking the best of the Hebrews, the best of them, and creating a, trying to create an educational system for them to keep Nebuchadnezzar's empire running and keeping, keeping his right. empire alive. Mm -hmm. And you can see the three Hebrew boys countered that. They said, no, we don't want empire education or empire food. We're going to pray and do our own thing. And in America, there is this, particularly in, and as you said, across across the board, that there's this scene. No, matter of fact, let me go here. Slavery. You know, they didn't want to educate slaves. Why? Because the empire of slavery needed to continue And needed to be fostered. And so let's keep them enslaved as they're working for the empire. We see the same thing today with um, until the lion has its own historian, the hunter is always the hero. Let's train and let's train these children to not be CEOs, but to work for Mm -hmm. the empire, you know, and staying there. So my question to you is, in light of what we've discussed, what is the alternative? How do we reverse the miseducation or, you know, correct the edumacation. What do you see as the alternative? I think the first thing is our purpose becomes evident
1: only to the backdrop of problem solving. Mm-hmm. So no one finds their purpose in privilege. Mm. It is the pain. It is the, the ardor. It is the running up the rough side of the mountain. It's that pilgrimage that unearths purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Cassop, who uh, served as the uh, chief education evangelist for Google, mm-hmm. uh, has a very popular quote that really took the education field by storm when he suggested we need to stop asking our students what do you want to be and instead ask them what problem do you want to solve? Mm-hmm. And I think what Cassop is getting at there is he's saying that it is ideating what problem exists and how was I created to be a solution for that problem, Mm -hmm. that that ideation process actually begins the unearthing of one's purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are trying to answer the question, what were you made for? Or why am I here on this planet? And they do it through the lens or through the guise of prosperity. Like, why am I here on the planet? And, And our minds always run to Uh, amassing wealth amassing land amassing materials Mm -hmm. etc right the issue with that is that's not how to answer that question yeah if you look at the great minds of human history they come into their intellect they come into their unique expression of themselves through trial man it -hmm. always happens it's the turmoil that provides the necessary stirring of the gifts. Mm-hmm. And that turmoil causes it to, to unearth. It's the tilling of the ground. You mm-hmm. can't get to the good stuff unless you turn it over. Yeah. That's what a farmer would teach us. Yeah. And I think it's the turmoil, it's the process of trying to solve a problem that turns over the soil and 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 exposes what's been underneath it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I think if we follow CASIP. That is the golden ticket for revolutionizing education. Each student needs the freedom to investigate what problems exist Mm -hmm. and which problem do I feel called to solve. And then to have a mentor, a teacher, a coach get beside them who has also decided to be a problem solver, Mm -hmm. to now lay out for them a blueprint that they can look at on not only how to understand that problem better, Mm -hmm. but how to position themselves well to be a remedy for said problem. Yeah.
0: So, man, look, I am... I'm a teacher, right? I'm an educator. I'm Mm. listening to this podcast. I am inspired, but I work for the United States empire, (laughs) (laughs) all right? And I am... I, am give, I have been given a curriculum that is mandated for me to teach. But I want to include, um, I want to teach my kids about Shaka Zulu. I want to teach them about, you know, Hannibal and all of these great black heroes. And not just black heroes, um, you know, just people who have moved and um, have shaken up things. What do I do? Do I start my own school? Do I, um, you know... Uh, walk away from this because n- not only that, I've been trained by the empire as well. You know, so um, and 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 I'm I'm am in a box. I'm in a bind. What would be your advice to an educator who hears what you're saying, who wants to do what you want to do, but they're like they're 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 under the guise of the empire, you know? I, well, my approach, and I I have the privilege of being
1: able to speak on this topic not as an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. but as an insider trying to raise my voice and get people's attention who are out. You yeah. know? I am an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, language arts and social studies, uh, Spanish as well as religion. Mm-hmm. Those were my areas of expertise. Uh, secondary education. I loved my students. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that seemed to create the change and the shift in my classrooms is when the students got the message That I wasn't there to demand they digest what I'm saying because I say it's good. Mm -hmm. That I was there to introduce them to a menu Mm
0: -hmm.
1: from which they can select what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, we would call this an education, IEP, Individualized (laughs) Education Plans. And what I did was definitely arduous. Mm -hmm. I cannot lie. The extra work I put into the classroom, yeah. I did not get paid for. Yeah. It was straight off of passion alone and my belief that I was not going to be, uh, we'll call it a mercenary of the empire. Yeah. Like <laughs> you weren't going to give me crumbs and then get me to push forward your agenda. Right. Uh, I was going to try to be a Jedi yeah. who is going to train these Padawans yeah. to understand that there's something called a force mm-hmm. and it's not outside of you, it's yeah. in you. Yeah. And I want you to discover it and be able to harness it to solve problems in the world. Mm-hmm. And so as we went forward uh, it, through the curriculum, I was always challenging myself to say, okay, how can this lesson be individualized? How can the assignment be not something that I'm giving you to do, but how can I create an assessment journey for my students to where they get to choose how they are assessed mm-hmm. based on the problem they want to solve yeah uh, so some might say I want to do a I want to do a live reenactment of the Civil War mm-hmm. okay, Tell me which battle you're going to reenact. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do uh, the Battle of Bull Run. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, at the end of this unit, we're going to have uh, group one. They're going to do a reenactment. Another group says, no, I want to go on the research journey mm-hmm. and, and I actually want to generate a paper using a certain amount of sources. OK, I like that idea. Another group comes and says, um, I think I want to put together a television broadcast. As almost like a news anchor mm-hmm. who's giving you the updates on the latest news on the Civil War. Yeah. And I'm saying that's creative and interesting. All right, you're going to do that. I think as we get into the space of individualizing the assessment options for our students, yeah, they not only get reinvigorated and excited, but I think they come into this special space to where they are on a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. And that's what education is supposed to be. It mm-hmm. is bringing to the surface. It is not supposed to be a training ground where I mechanize a mass group of people to follow a daily routine, produce what we need produced, mm-hmm. and then give them a couple pennies to say thank you. Right. They get excited because they can put food on their table for another day and return the next day just to do the same thing. Yeah. We all know that the current education system in America was based on the needs of the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. That is well-known, well-documented. However, I don't think what we talk about is why. Yeah. Why did the Industrial Revolution need a mechanized mass of people to just get on a line mm-hmm. and put a piece on something and let that thing go down a conveyor belt to the next person who has another piece? Yeah. Uh, I think it was because they needed mindless drones. Yeah. Uh, if we watch Star Wars, you keep talking about Empire. Right. <laughs> Man. These clones, man. I yeah. mean, that's the key to the right. empire strategy. We need to create clones that are pretty much responding in a groupthink on a mass level mm-hmm. to push forward the agenda of this system, benefiting the two percent or so who are at the top. Yeah. While
0: ninety-eight percent of us fight over the crumb. Yeah, yeah, and it's very frightening because, in this sense, that once you break out from the empire, the next thing they want to do is kill you. So you take, for example, Fred Hampton, mm-hmm. who was probably one of the most gifted speakers that our earth has seen or America has seen and how he had the ability, ability to bring blacks, whites, you name it all together because his voice was so powerful. And what they do, Brum marched his home and took him out because why it's like once you start breaking out of the system. Once you start breaking out of the matrix, once you start breaking out of mm-hmm. the empire, you become a target. You become a public enemy number one. Yes, you know? indeed. And um, but you know, it's the same example if we take the Christian tradition that Jesus was public enemy number one because why well, he did not fit the status quo of what the, the the popular train of thought, the school of the scribes and Pharisees, mm-hmm. were like, No, we wash our hands, and Jesus like. It's what's in your heart that makes you dirty. You know, he's just he's just annoying them left yes. and right. And um, you know, and, and going back to what you were saying for the teacher, the alternatives, it sounds to me that intentionality is a major part of it. And putting in the extra work to bring out the best in your children rather than following the script that has been handed to you for most of your life, but to say that I see more in these students than what is being offered through this, um, through this curriculum. And I want to track back to respond yeah. to, you know, the teacher who's who listening to this
1: and or educator in some other industry and saying, you know, they, they make us stick to the script. Yeah. You know, they make us do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have these tests that our students are having to take and my success is being measured on how my students perform on these standardized tests. The first thing I want to say to that is touche, you're correct. You know, I have no no qualms with that argument. I actually think it's sound, it is realistic, Mm -hmm. and it truly speaks to the reality of Western education at this point, that we are really fighting against a mechanism that was put in place hundreds of years ago, and we're finding it hard to push back against it. Especially from within, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I will also follow up with my concession by saying that the path is difficult. As you mentioned, you become a target. You're putting in work that you're not getting paid for. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as an educator, you're already putting in hours that are just unreal. Yeah. And yet you're not feeling the appreciation and affirmation from the system itself. hmm. Especially if you are a revolutionary and you're pushing against the grain. Right. Or as you, as you often tell me, man, listen, brother, understand that an oppressive system's number one goal is to make you tired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how you
1: say that, man. And it's so true. And so when you talk about education, most educators are already tired. Mm-hmm. So the prospect of having you put in more effort, more time, more study more preparation on a lesson plan in order to shift the dynamic within your classroom. It's a daunting task. Yeah. The one thing that helped me each day, though, I remember we did a lesson study on Hooverville. Mm-hmm. And I was That's in the curriculum. We're supposed to teach on Great Depression, etc. My issue with the lesson study was that as we look at Hooverville coming out of the De- Great Depression... And we're now sitting in an America that has promised certain things. And yet, years later, only certain people are benefiting, right? Yeah. And we got these cardboard box cities going up, you know, yeah. in protest. I said to myself, to these students, how can I make this real to them? How, how can I make sure they understand that there's a problem to be solved? Mm-hmm. That I'm not wanting them to regurgitate information, What's the problem? Yeah. So we built a Hooverville outside of our school. Yeah. And they had one full recess to build their cardboard city. Mm -hmm. At the end of recess, class started and I had little Debbie snacks and increments of about every 15 minutes or so, Mm -hmm. I would throw these little Debbie snacks in the middle of the city.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) They could not leave their cardboard box (laughs) unless there was some type of resource yeah. that was offered to get, otherwise they had to stay in, right? <laughs> yeah. Anybody cheats, you're out. <laughs> so of course they were super obedient, <laughs> right. you know? And every 15 minutes or so, random times, I throw these little devils in the middle mm-hmm. of Hooverville. And of course, you had certain students that amassed a whole lot of wealth.
0: Mm-hmm. Ability, yeah,
1: talent, yeah, timing. Yeah. They're just more adept at scrounging for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of the class period, we then sat together in a circle, and there were definitely some students crying because they didn't get any. Uh, yeah. And then there were other students who were hoarding. Right. I and mean, they just, I'm talking about dozens of little Debbies. Right. They were going to OD right. on sugar that day. <laughs> and we just had a conversation like, what's the problem here? Yeah. And I remember one of my eighth grade students raised their hand,
0: this profound moment, and she said, Equity. Mmm. Now, was she, was she from the group that had all of the snacks, or was she from the group that didn't have any of the snacks? I would have called her middle class. Middle class. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't
1: one of the paupers who were crying because right. they thought they couldn't get no little Debbie's. And she wasn't one of the rich wealthy. But right. She was somewhere in the middle class. Yeah. You know, she yeah. even got her hands on a few. That's right. And I thought it was profound that she didn't give this huge explanation, you know, yeah. to which she was kind of searching for the right answer. Yeah. I mean, she pinned it. She said, equity, that's mm-hmm. the issue here. So now I tell the class, all right, what issues of equity do we have in our country? Mm-hmm. What issues of equity do we have in our city? Yeah. What issues of equity do you see in your community? Mm-hmm. And now the wheels are turning. Yeah. To where our test how I'm testing them on the Hooverville section Mm -hmm. is for them to write a short essay on the inequity they identified in their sphere of influence Mm -hmm. and give me one way they can be a solution for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a totally different type of lesson study. It is not just learning the dates, the names, the figures, and the graphs. It is telling me, how are you going to activate yourself in your sphere to solve a problem? Now we move from edumacation to education, yeah. bringing to the surface your own potential and purpose by putting you in some type of case study yeah. where you can start seeing what's going on in your society. Yeah. Yes, educators, this is harder.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: not gonna lie. That right. that was a hard lesson plan. Right. To ideate, but I do believe the Creator gave me some beautiful moments of epiphany mm-hmm. that helped me help help the students. You know, help me help the students come to this conclusion. And they became problem solvers that day. Yeah,
0: man, that's awesome, man. It, it reminds me of what the church was. Um, it reminds me of what the Black Panthers were doing for, you know, for the children in their community with their freedom schools, where they would feed them. And then they would almost like, uh, I'd say the word like exegete their community. Like, look, there's trash out here on the ground. Okay. Why is there trash on there? Not what are we going to do? Not simply what we're going to do, but why is it there? Like getting to the root of the problem and learning how to fix that mm-hmm. so that they can be better members and contributors of society and for yes, their sir. people. Man, that's dope, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome, man. Um, So, man, we're, we're getting close to the end. Are there any like final words that you want to share with the uh, the listeners?
1: Yeah, well, I'll share, I'll share this. Yeah. Okay.
0: I think as, as
1: educators, as leaders, mm-hmm. I think every leader needs to see themselves as an educator. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So anyone in a sphere of influence where they have the ear of someone mm-hmm. or a group of people needs to immediately identify themselves as an educator. And your key goal as an educator is to be a guide For individuals who need to discover what was placed in them while in the womb Mm -hmm. like there's some in utero gifting Mm -hmm. that we all receive right and yet sadly edumacation in the western hemisphere has caused us to place layers on top of that gold mine Mm -hmm. Uh, there are layers we need to pull back there's some stuff we need to dig through there's some some, like granite rock that has been placed between our discovery of those treasures and gems that were placed in us while we were growing inside of our mothers Mm -hmm. and as an educator I must come into a sphere as a leader I must come into a sphere where I'm taking responsibility for being a guide on that journey we got Mm -hmm. some digging to do we have some excavation to do. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we, we as leaders would be better off if we saw ourselves as archaeologists. Yeah. Digging amongst the ruins. Mm-hmm. You know, what are ruins? Most of the time, we don't find ruins on top of the soil. Mm-hmm. We might see a, a stone sticking out of the ground over here. Right. Or maybe a fallen pillar way over there. But one of the beauty uh, beauties of archaeological digs is how you discover a whole new world underneath the surface. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who need some archaeologists to look at them and say, no, your land looks... Uh, like a wilderness but mm-hmm. I believe there's something underneath you mm-hmm. that if we could just excavate it yeah. some people would start valuing this land a whole lot differently yeah. and I think uh, my second thing that I want to speak to is we need to reclaim uh, the beauty of productivity mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people think they are being productive when in actuality they are only being a great assembler Yeah, like the Western education model is being based upon assembly not creativity Mm -hmm. right so our productivity is now being measured by what we assemble Mm
0: -hmm. instead
1: of what we create yeah and that is putting us in that consumerism mindset where we only feel we are as good as what we can construct well educators please beware that's what you're trained to do in your classroom yeah to assemble a model citizen Mm -hmm. as if Our kids and students are Legos that we just put together in a specific order to create a picture. I reject that notion. I am a creator attempting to activate other creators. Mm -hmm. And I want my students, or those I'm leading, to know that you will be measured here based on what you produce, not through assembly, but through creativity. How do you access the universe Mm -hmm. and the energies and vibrations all around us to pull together this idea. And how do you take that idea from the abstract and pull it into the concrete by force of will? Yeah. And then once it's in the concrete, how do you make it accessible to others yeah. who would benefit from your idea now made flesh? Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things that I love about the Christian narrative. I am a professed Christian, though I have the utmost respect and regard for other faith traditions. I've learned much from other faith traditions of uh, it. I love this narrative of an idea being made flesh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this word right. that is abstract, right. that comes into concrete environment and changes things. Yeah. Like that's within every student. That is not just a messianic myth that we are to look to and and wish we had. Mm No, the the, the story of Jesus is actually trying to awaken within us human potential and ability. Mm -hmm. That every human has the ability to actualize, to use uh, a Maslow term, to actualize into this force to be reckoned with that comes on the scene and changes things. Yeah, that overturns systems and liberates the masses. Yeah, and so as an educator, as a leader, I am trying to reclaim pre- productivity mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the Book of John starts off and says that. Jesus was not only a son, but he was a creator, and all things were made by him. That's That's a direct quote. So he took that creativity, he pulled it into the concrete, and he changed things, and we need to start measuring productivity based upon what we create versus what we assemble. And we also need to step back and honor, um, we need to honor those we lead And honor the fact that they have value. Mm -hmm. And many of them just don't have an archaeologist beside them who will help them excavate the treasures below.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sounds like to me, there needs to be something countercultural to what is the normal. That -hmm. that we develop a new normal. And when we uh, do that, we become, I guess, in a sense, maybe agitators. Where we have an education that doesn't educate children or individuals, I'll use that word, to get, but rather to give. Yes. And so when we are, and I'm even thinking about my uh, education in America, it's, and coupled with American society, it is get, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. So... Let me do this to get the best job to get the most money Mm -hmm. instead of let me teach you how you can get the best job to give back to those that are behind you.
1: You sound a little bit like Du Bois. (laughs) (laughs) Where have they gone? Where where are the talented ones? Why haven't they returned?
0: Yeah, yeah. But Mike, man, this has been awesome. This has been great. Thanks for taking some time to chop it up with me. Uh, Tell the folks, man, if they want to get in contact with you to Maybe they want to extend this conversation or ask you more questions. How do they get in contact with you? Sure. Well, my handle... It's
1: like almost across the digital world, is B as in boy, my last name polite, the number four, and the word life. So it reads, be polite for life. And that's my handle on Twitter. On Facebook, that's my handle. On Cash App, if you just want to bless a brother, (laughs) uh, that's my handle as well on email. So if you can hit me up at BePoliteForLife at Gmail, uh, let me know your thoughts. Um, If there's something that you think I have shared that can be sharpened even further, I, I am open to becoming a better thinker. And a more clear communicator so whatever it is from discussion to critique to just ideating or
0: or or picking up the conversation with a like-minded friend I'm down for it all right that's what's up and I just want to say um, if you have any critiques of this podcast. I don't want to hear from you. So just now I'll just play. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Please share it. Please like it. That's how the word gets out there. And I believe what Mike has had to say today needs to be uh, shared with the world. And so I thank him for raising his voice. And I want to encourage you wherever you are, whoever you are, to raise your voice, to not sit on it because somebody needs to hear what you have to say. Signing out. It's your boy, Jamie Kalisar. All right, peace.